When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome into another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic podcast. It's Corner 3 presented by our friends at Mechdyne, the Mechdyne Corporation. Scott Christofferson, what's going on today, man? Man, I'm uh, doing well. We just did an interview with Matt, and I've got to say, if you're a young kid out there and you want to be a good basketball player or good at anything in your life, like hang on to every word that he shares in this interview because I'm telling you, if you do – if you can capture what Matt has from a, not just talent standpoint, but a maturity and perspective standpoint, like there's a reason he's having the success that he is. It was a really, really impressive interview. That right there is what we call a tease, Scott Christopherson. We will have <laughs> Matt Thomas, one of the great shooters in Iowa state history on the podcast here shortly. Uh, real quick. First, we got a couple things to hit on. Obviously it's been some news uh, in Iowa state circles. Uh, the big piece, Oshun, Oshun uh, announcing his commitment last week, uh, six foot 10 center from St. Bonaventure, two time Atlantic 10, uh, defensive player of the year. One of the great shot or one of the best shot blockers in all of college basketball, man. And everything I've heard about this kid, everybody that you talk to about him immediately, the first word they say game changer, he's a game changing type of player, uh, a, a, on the defensive end and a, a shot blocker that Iowa State just didn't have last year. You know, and, and if there was, obviously Iowa State's defense was really, really good. Number five in the country in defensive efficiency uh, to end the season. But if you were going to find one thing that was kind of a knock, and you and I talked about this a lot, it was that rim protection element. Man, it seems like with Oshun, and then you add Hassan Ward, the VCU transfer into that as well. I don't imagine that being a concern uh, this well, next season. And don't forget about Trey King either, who is also, yeah. you know, uh, I think a, a plus level athlete. And I think one thing that we talked a lot about on the podcast throughout the season. And then after was this team needing to get bigger, more athletic in the front court. And those three pieces right there, in addition to what they have coming back with Bob Jones and what jazz brings is, a, you know, a little bit more of a, you know, finesse for, I mean, we are going to, this team is going to be much better next year in the front court than they were last year. And that's not a knock on anybody that left, but I mean, we're talking about three pieces that from a, what they bring from a physicality and athleticism standpoint, they just, they're going to raise the level of talent that this front court has considerably, in my opinion. I think there's an argument to be made right now that this team is already more talented than where they started with last year's team. 100 uh, that will go to even another level if they can fill this last scholarship with AJ green, like, you know, it's no secret. That's the target at this point for that last spot. Uh, 
and they need to get someone like that who can kind of be the centerpiece of the offense because right now I think that's really the one weak link if you look at it. It's just like who's going to be the guy offensively. And then that's not, you know, obviously someone can rise up and be that guy that we aren't expecting. We didn't expect Isaiah Brockington to be the guy that he is. Yep. But someone who has a proven consistent scorer at the college level like what AJ is. Yeah, I I mean, if they get him, this is going to be, a, in my opinion, a, a top 20, top 25 roster. Uh, because when you get a guy like that, obviously we're talking about a lot of guys and we're projecting how they're going to fit in at Iowa State. There's a lot of guys coming in, transfers, freshmen that we're kind of projecting. But the one thing that they probably still have missing to be what I think is a pretty complete team is that primary playmaker that you run your offense either for, or you run it through. And because the other team kind of has to scout to take that player away, it makes everybody else's job easier. They get better shots. They get cleaner looks at offensive rebounds. They get more runouts and things like that. And I think he just narrowed it down, right? If he comes back, it's either Duke or Iowa state. So that's pretty good company as far as, you know, people, you know, if Duke wants him, a pretty good indicator of what type of player he, that, you know, the, the college basketball world views him as. And yeah, I mean, if they land him, I mean, the, the, there's going to be so much to be excited about. I know it's kind of been a difficult spring, you know, with Isaiah saying, you know, he was going to move on. And then, you know, the one that kind of caught us off guard was obviously Tyrese, but um, it, to me, there, there's nothing but excitement for next season already. And if they get AJ Green, I mean, the, this will be a legitimate, like, top echelon of the Big 12 contending roster going into the season. Now, can they all mesh together and buy in the way that they did last year? That'll be the big, you know, the the, the big question of the offseason. But I, I, I think they've navigated a really turbulent spring as well as anybody could have imagined. Yeah, it's it's hard to not give the staff an A at this point, I think for the off season, even, even with losing Tyrese, I mean, to be able to bounce back and do the things they have and knowing, obviously we know a lot of the Hills uphill battles that they're kind of facing and just on the recruiting trail right now. I mean, a, as good of a job as I think could be expected from, from those guys. Yes. 100%. All right, man. We'll, uh, we'll toss it off to Matt and we'll talk to you guys here on the other side of a quick break on the Cyclone Fanatic podcast network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast, Corner 3 here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. And we're joined now by one of the greatest shooters in Iowa State history. It's Matt Thomas. What's up, man? How's everything going? Hey. How's the offseason treating you? Jared, what's up? Um, I'm doing good. Uh, I actually just got down to Phoenix uh, last night, so I'll start some training out here. But it's been good to kind of get healthy, take some time off. Um, I was in Chicago and then spent some time back in Wisconsin as well. Um, with my mom for mother's day, played some golf. Uh, so it's, it's been good so far. What, uh, how'd the season go for you? How'd you feel about how things went? Obviously not the ending. I think you guys were hoping for, but, uh, you know, I think a lot of growth for the franchise this season. Yeah. I mean, to start off uh, yeah, from, from the team standpoint, I think it was great. Um, I think it was the first time the team made it to the 
postseason in five years. So, you know, that's obviously a, a positive step in the right direction. And, you know, for me, just kind of finding a new home again um, in Chicago this past season was good. I think, you know, my role kind of fluctuated, you know, throughout the season based off uh, injuries and guys in and out of the rotations, you know, obviously with COVID. Um, but I think I made the most of my opportunities and, you know, looking forward to continue to build off that, you know, moving forward next season. Was it nice being back in the Midwest after you'd kind of been all over the place yeah. for a little while? Yeah. Yeah. Outside of the, the winter, it was great. Um, no, I mean, it was, it was fun. Um, yeah. To your point. I mean, I, since Iowa state, I hadn't really been, uh, you know, back in the Midwest. So it's been about five years um, kind of just bouncing all over the place. So it was, it was nice, you know, family and friends will become uh, to the city a, a, a bit and um, just, you know, I having connections and ties to the bulls. It was, it was a cool opportunity for sure. Scott. Matt, what's, what's it like to kind of, you know, you've, you're, you had two years in Spain and then you've a couple of different stops in the NBA. What's it been like for you kind of going from place to place, like as a player, you know, adjusting. And then you said with COVID, obviously, you know, some nights you were called on to, to play a bunch and then others, not as much. Like, how do you kind of prepare yourself mentally to, to deal with kind of the, what, what's asked of you? Cause Obviously, when when you're when you're called on, you're expected to be right, pretty much ready to play, as if you've been playing the whole time. Right. Um, yeah, that's a good question. It's not easy, right? I mean, I think that's why a lot of people, you know, struggle with roles like that. But I think, you know, for me, it's just part of being a pro. That's kind of how I've carved a niche, you know, just to be able to be in the NBA. Uh, but it was like that even in Europe too, right? Just trying to make a name for myself initially in Europe. Um, just try to maximize whatever opportunity is given to you. Um, I was obviously never like handed anything. So it's, you know, it might start where you get spot minutes off the bench and you get a couple shots off and you got to knock those in. And then, you know, you kind of just parlay each, all those opportunities into more and more and more. Um, but it is extremely hard, you know, and uh, just to my point right away, it's part of being a pro. It's a situation I'm in. Obviously, you know, I'm continuing to work every day to hopefully be in a situation where I can be a consistent rotational player. Um, but, you know, right now that's, that's not my role. And, you know, I'm just, you know, doing whatever I can. You have to stay ready. And a lot of that's just staying diligent and committed to your work and doing whatever you can to stay ready when you're not playing. But um, also like, you know, with the coaching, having, with coaches having confidence, you know, they can go to you uh, at any point uh, during the season and they know what they're going to get from you, I think is really valuable. Is it more difficult for you being the the type of player that you are, you know, on a night you might not get any shots on some nights you might get six or seven, you know, like, or whatever. And just to keep that rhythm kind of, of like, even when you don't know what you're going to get on a given night, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, it all kind of ties together. I feel like, um, you know, you have to be comfortable going, you know, over one or, you know, I might get hot and go three for five one night um, or I might go over four, but like, you can't let those, you know, that's a small part of the game, you know, granted mm -hmm. as a shooter, that's kind of how I'm getting evaluated is if I'm go one for two or over two, it's good or bad night. But um, at the same time, there's a lot more to the game and I have to control what I can control and all the other things like defensive assignments, position, being in the right position, you know, getting back on defense, all those little things, obviously I can control. Sometimes the ball is going to go in, sometimes it's not. And as long as I'm putting in my, you know, my work daily, uh, I can sleep at night, you know, knowing that I'm doing what I, I need to do.
What does that process look for like look like for you like on a day to day basis? Like you know, what are you kind of during the season more like? What are you doing to kind of stay ready and those sorts of things? Yeah, um, I mean, again, it, it's it's hard because I it does fluctuate right based off if I'm in the rotation, if I'm not in the rotation. Like if I'm getting, you know, there was a point in the season, probably a month, six weeks, where I was playing pretty consistent, like seventh, eighth man minutes, 15, 20 minutes off the bench. So. I had to kind of dial it back on what I was doing on off days or, you know, my pregame workout, my pregame workout, I guess, stayed pretty consistent um, just in that 15 minute, like shooting slot we have, but even, uh, you know, game day shoot arounds, typically I would get in early or stay after and get in extra work. Um, if I wasn't in the rotation, but you know, when that changes, I think you have to shift your workload too, cause you don't want to do too much. And then, you know, you're not in a good place physically or mentally, you know, when the lights are on and then when it really counts. Right. Um, so for me, I just have to, that is all part of the challenge and the, the not being like a consistent, like, you know, what you're going to get every single night. But again, to my point right away, I think it's, it's all just part of being a pro and figuring out what works for you and what's going to help you you know, perform at the highest level. How much were you able to, to follow the cyclones? I know you're, uh, close with TJ. What's it like to see him back and, and to see them have success again this past year? Yeah, I mean, definitely uh, was able to follow them pretty good. Um, it's hard to catch games, uh, but like just following box scores and following like on, you know, the ESPN app and, and all that, you know, I try to do my best, you know, to your point, obviously I've known TJ ever since I was a kid. Um, so for him and like him recruiting me to Iowa state and then, for him, like in his career, just kind of coming full circle back to Ames, I think is really cool. And obviously with the success they had this season and um, it's an exciting time, I think, to be a, to be a Cyclone fan. That's for sure. Matt, what was it like? Cause like, I've tried to explain this too, you know, it's, and it's hard sometimes to like put into words, but I feel like my bond with TJ as a player was just different than probably any of the other coaches I had. Like, what was that like for you and how much of a factor did he play into you choosing Iowa state? Cause you obviously had, you know, quite a few options coming out of high school. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree with your point about TJ, something about him and his personality is charisma his character. Like it just really resonates with me as well. Um, I think I share a lot of the same like core values and beliefs that he has. Um, and I think that's why, you know, I, I have the relationship I have with him and, he's been a mentor to me my entire life. Um, but you know, I think too. So for, for me and him, like, yeah, I, I wouldn't have picked Iowa state if TJ wasn't in the picture. It's just, it's just the facts, you know? And unfortunately he took a job at Washington actually when I was coming in as a freshman, which was terrible for me, but you know, um, he, he came back my junior season and took an assistant role. And that was a big turning point in my career, actually sophomore to junior year. And, um, you know, we were in the gym a lot together working out and, you know, you know, TJ, he's being super physical and like pushing me in DHOs. Like he's on the court, you know, just like killing me in the mornings. Um, but it was great for me mentally, fit, you know, get myself ready for that season. And like I said, that was a huge turning point in my career. Um, in college, kind of going into my junior year when TJ came back to Iowa State. Yeah, if I were to describe TJ as a basketball player, I would think he's like a hybrid strong safety with a linebacker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he probably excelled at like setting back screens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he loved rebounding drills where there were no rules. No, no there's never rules. Yeah, there's never <laughs> rules. And, you know, um, 
that's it. But at the same time, like you see that with the way that team played this year, right? Like he definitely like rubbed off, you know, his, the way he is as a person, a coach, like you saw that in the team, they're super tough competed. Like, and when you do that, uh, especially at the college level, I think like you give yourself a chance, right. When you're playing hard defense and you know, you're not making mistakes and hopefully not turn the ball over. Like, you know, I think a lot of Cyclone fans were like upset that they weren't scoring points to the same level that maybe years past teams have, but at the same time, like, you know, you got to do whatever it takes to win. Like you can't like, sometimes winning's ugly winning, you know, it's not always, it's not always pretty, but you get the job done. How's your team doing? If, uh, if you guys go into practice and, and you're having these bloodbaths, like what they, <laughs> they describe their practices right now being like, uh, you're talking about the, yeah, your the Iowa State team. Practices. Yeah. Your Iowa state teams. Yeah. Yeah. I have I mean, heard there wasn't a ton, a ton of, uh, defense wasn't. Yeah. Really focus. I mean, it's a lot different. You know, I played for, you know, coach Hoiberg and, yeah. you know, we didn't really practice as much with, with him and, it was a little bit more of like an NBA style of life. Um, but I guess to answer your question, like, I think if we played for TJ, it would have been great. You know, mm -hmm. I think we had a ton of high level players and really high level competitors on our team and we all wanted to be great. We all pushed each other. So uh, I think we would have thrived under a coach, you know, like TJ. Now you said you guys share core values. Would one of those be polo size? <laughs> um <laughs> I would say not anymore. Maybe when I was a kid, I, I tried to go for TJ's look where I'd like you know, do bicep curl, bicep curls and, and try to look real, real tough and wear, you know, a size X extra small polo. Um, I don't know who's picking, I don't know who's picking those for him or who's like giving him his sizes for what he wears to the games. But like, um, or if he just does like a hundred pushups before he walks out of the tunnel at Hilton Coliseum, it might be like all the above, but um, he, I, I'm I'm gonna say it's for sure a medium. There's no way he, he wears more than a medium polo. He looks no like chance. he's a beard away from being an NBA strength coach. True or false? <laughs> yeah, he passes the eye test for sure. <laughs> Man, that's funny. Uh, yeah. Obviously, there's been a lot of crazy stuff going on in college basketball, and I think you have a good perspective on this. Uh, you know, you you mentioned it before. You know, your freshman year. Like you didn't have a bad year, but it probably wasn't the year you'd want. Sophomore year, kind of the same thing. A lot of kids now, you know, have one or two years that aren't exactly what they want. They're straight into the transfer portal. I'm looking for a new spot. I'm going to find a place where I can be the guy. Why didn't you ever consider that? And what do you think or what would be your advice to a kid who is going through some of that adversity at the college level right now to, to try and work their way through that? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, you know, I guess, you know, for me, uh, and I, I've been through a lot of adversity, like on and off the court in my life. And I think I've always just kind of worked harder and like found a way to get through it or keep pushing through it. And I think that's kind of what I did at Iowa State. Like you talked about my freshman sophomore years were very mediocre. Um, I think to the point I just made TJ coming back for my junior year was huge for me just mentally and having him there. And, um, I also just became, I was older. I was an upperclassman. I was a better player my junior year, but like that kind of like helped, helped me, um, you know, find that new path, a new trajectory that I needed, just like some change. Um, but I don't know, just in life in general, and I think me sticking, you know, and, and going through those ups and downs and pushing through that adversity has most definitely helped me in my professional career as well, because like not everything's smooth sailing. And that's every in life, like, you know, 
on the, on the court, off the court, you're going to go through some adversity. Nothing like nothing goes as planned. Right. So I think to be honest, it's really unhealthy for these kids. Like, you know, I know they're young and, you know, they're making decisions, these big decisions at 17, 18 years old. And you have no idea, you know, who's in their circle and who's also helping them make these decisions. But, you know, you face some adversity as a 17 year old and then, it's easy just to be like, Oh, well, shoot, I'm going to transfer and go find another place. And then some of these kids are transferring three, four times um, where I just think that's going to build bad. Um, I don't know if habits, the right, right word, but like, it's just for them in the future, I have a hard time thinking that they're going to deal with adversity the right way. If they're, I don't, it's not quitting. I don't want to, there are times where I think transferring makes sense um, per, per kids, but when it's, uh, shoot, this didn't go as I planned. I'm just going to try something else. And you didn't really try to push through it. Um, I don't know. I just don't think I can't really relate to that. Cause I just don't think I, I would, I'm not that type of person, but yeah, I, honestly I at the end of the day, yeah. Okay, to each their own, you know, these kids today, you know, they can live their lives and, you know, do whatever they want. It's an obviously an option for them now and everyone's doing it. So, you know, it's just kind of the nature of uh, college basketball right now. I agree with your point. And I think, you know, Matt, one thing that's really kind of set you apart, and I'm sure you can kind of think of a lot of guys that you've come across competing for roster spots, whether it was playing time at Iowa state or, you know, yeah. spots to make a roster in the pros. And I think your ability to be consistent, everybody has to be a talented player to get to that level. You don't get to that level, but I'm sure you can think of guys where like, man, that guy had plenty of talent to make it to wherever he was at but his yeah. inability to come back day after day when things didn't go his way, are you, I'm sure you can think of a handful of guys that probably didn't make it because of that. And I also think that's what not only has allowed you to make it, but when you've been given your opportunities has allowed you to maximize those opportunities because your head is in a decent enough place to go out there and perform regardless of how right. perfect or unperfect things are, have been. No, hundred percent. I mean, I'm not, naive to think that like i mean dude there's what 400 450 nba players and i'm one of them um there's so many more there's so many people out there that are better than me at basketball more talented than me at basketball but at the same time to your point like a large part of being an nba player is to be able to do it day in day out and not even just the nba good college player right i think a problem with a lot of these kids now is like they'll be like freshmen in college and they're like asking their coaches or asking, you know, how are you going to get me to the NBA? Or like, how are you? It's like, why don't you figure out how to be a really good college player first? And then like all that stuff's going to handle itself. Like I think back to the teams I played for, you know, at Iowa state with like myself and George and uh, Monte, obviously, you know, Naz, Abdul, Deontay, like a lot of us have had um, NBA experience and like, none of us talked about it. <laughs> we weren't like every day. Oh, what's good. I hope I get, I, I got to get to the league or I got to like, you just take care of your business. You become a good college player, take care of your work, take things one day at a time. And like all that other stuff, you know, takes care of itself in the long run. Well, in the, in the margin for error is so like the difference between making it and not making it. I think people don't necessarily understand how small that can be. Yeah. Kind of going back to the, the transfer portal is, I just think there are kids where it makes sense to transfer, but I think there's a lot of kids who, because they're missing this lesson, that will be the margin for error for them will yeah. be um, to kind yeah. of maximize their potential after, after college. Yeah, no, the margin is tiny. And, you know, so much of it is situation, timing, opportunity, like all that stuff comes into play. 
Um, but like for, you know, for a guy like myself, like maybe that window is real tight, but like you get a couple opportunities and you got to maximize it. And if you do, then you get more opportunities, but like the guys that don't, when you get that initial window, then it's, it's, there's another guy in line. There's a lot of more, you know what I mean? So it is a very small window. And to your point, like if they're, you know, building bad habits or not learning the lesson of how to handle adversity, however you want to phrase it. Like, I do think that could potentially hurt, you know, players and people in the long run, not just on basketball, but just in life in general, like, you know, you're going to go through shit. And if you don't know how to handle it, or you just take the path of least resistance, like, I I don't know, it's, it's, it's probably not healthy. I think a a lot of you guys were in a a unique situation too, where Fred leaves after your sophomore year, uh, or even after, you know, George's junior year and and so on. But, uh, and it was so late in the process, you know, I think now there's probably a lot of kids who see that and are like, okay, well now I see an opportunity to go in the portal and, you know, go and see what else is out there and things like that. How did that process when Fred left coach prom coming in, how'd that bring you guys closer together? You feel as a team, because it seemed like you guys were maybe even more of a unit before after that than you were before, just like having to deal through some of that adversity, I guess. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think anytime like change, like a massive, like, you know, change like that happens, you have a choice to either like, you know, reject the change or kind of just embrace it. Right. Like, so, you know, none of us planned for Fred to leave. Like we were expecting him to be there, you know, our entire four years at Iowa state or for the transfer, you know, whatever, how many years you were planning on being there, you know, you never expect that to happen, but I mean, the facts are it's the turnover is extremely high in coaching and coaching and obviously players now, like there's just a ton of turnover and you have to be able to adapt to that change and um, get comfortable, like being uncomfortable, so to speak. And I think, you know, with when prone came in as the head coach and, you know, I kept bringing it up, but with TJ back, I think we were all really familiar with TJ. So even though he came back and was in a, an assistant role, he was kind of that, at least for me, I'll speak for myself. Like it was, you know, he was that like comfort, like soundboard and someone I knew that was in my corner that I could go to with anything. And, you know, as a team, I think we just came together because we knew how much success we had had up up until that point. Like we kind of knew, um, not that we had all the answers, but like, we kind of knew what worked for us and uh, the formula that was working. And, uh, we kind of just tried to play our game and, you know, coach promo is obviously there to steer the ship and help, you know, um, us, you know, in those last, in like my two last two years, but especially my junior year when like George was still around, like we saw Jamil, um, Abdul, like we had a ton of talent, obviously. And, you know, I think we won a lot of games, honestly, just because of all that talent that we had. What, it, how do you look back now on like, you know, the memories of those games, you know, you just mentioned a ton of great players. You guys obviously made a couple of sweet 16 runs, but now you've had the experience too of you've traveled all over the world, played at the highest level. You've played in the NBA for a few years now. Like how do you kind of look back on all that? And where does that kind of hold like a place in your heart is just as far as like, I don't know, like to me, there was always something just a little bit different about college basketball. I didn't play at the level that you, yeah. you know what I'm, you know where I'm going with that. No, for sure. Uh, I mean, and college is so unique because like you're living, you're living with your teammates, you know, you know, you're obviously you have a roommate and like, you know, for me, George and Naz lived right across the hall. I was basically like extended roommates with them for my first three years or four years with Naz. Cause he, he had that fifth year red shirt, but like, 
you just get, you form such close bonds with, with guys, you know, I was there with Monte from, you know, coming in as freshmen, taking summer school classes, you know, when we're 17, 18 years old, and now we're four years together, you know, playing together in, in a city like Ames too, like it's a college town. Um, and you just, that can never be replicated, uh, at the professional level, like ever, like just because, there's too much, there's too much player turnover. Like you're, I mean, for me, I've changed teams every single year. And I know that's not normal for everyone. Some guys stick around in an organization for multiple years and maybe they can build, you know, close relationships and friendships with teammates. But I think college is, is definitely unique in the sense that like you just form such close bonds with guys. And then when you're able to have success, like I look back, you know, some of those, uh, you know, the big 12 tournaments, the NCAA tournament runs, you know, special games, comeback wins in Hilton Coliseum, like they're just memories that will never, you know, I'll never lose. And um, every time I see my teammates and, you know, whether it's George or Monte or these guys that I, you know, when I play against their team in the NBA, we, we always, you know, catch up, you know, whether we go to dinner the night before or catch up, you know, on the court before the game, after the game. And like, inevitably, like, some sort of memory from Iowa state always comes up and sometimes it's off the court too, right? Like we're, we're sharing a lot of fun off the court memories too, but obviously the on the court uh, ones really stand out too. What's it been like for you to see those two guys, especially have the level of success they have in the, in the league. I mean, I, I think back to when you and Monte came in, you were the one that got all the headlines. And I think people thought Monte might be about to redshirt, And now he's one of the best point guards in the, in the league. Right. Um, you know, we've touched on it just like situation, time and opportunity, like that, all that stuff like plays huge factors, right? Like, to be honest, Monte probably would have redshirted that freshman year, mm-hmm. but like some, you know, uh, I think it was a Deandre, you know, Deandre Kane transferred in and like, uh, you know, Boo Boo had his situation and, you know, wasn't able to play, unfortunately, like, like there was guys ahead of him. And then all of a sudden he had this opportunity and he ran with it and, you know, he always had the talent. Like once he got his body to a good situation, like Mate's incredible. And, you know, you can't teach the stuff that he does. And I think now you see that he's always been on winning teams. You know, he's stuck in Denver his whole career so far. And, um, you know, any NBA team is going to value what he does just because he adds, you know, adds winning um, to their team and he's, he's so talented. Right. And then, you know, obviously with George, um, he's carved out a great roller. He he did this past season in, in Philly and he was really good in Utah. And it was fun for me to like come full circle and uh, be teammates with him in Utah for a few months at the end of, you know, two seasons ago. Um, but yeah, it's your, it's just, it's, I, I don't know. I always follow those guys. Even when I was in Europe, I'm following those guys when they're back in the NBA, like obviously we're all close friends. So, and we pushed each other so hard when we were at school. So just to see everyone continuing to have success and kind of, go in their own directions is really like gratifying. And um, it's always fun when I get to see those guys and hang out with those guys, whether it's the off season or, or in the season. So Matt kicked my ass last week uh, on the golf course. Um, Matt, you were talking about your Iowa state buddies or all the special um, relationships you have. If you're going golfing and you can take three guys, who are you taking? So your three favorite oh, teammates, your three teammates that you have the best relationships with and who's winning. Um, well, I'm going to make sure I win. So I'm, I don't actually, I don't think there's any teammates that are better than me at golf though. So, <laughs> but just for my, for, for my own ego, I got to bring George just cause his character personality, I'm bringing George and Naz, honestly, probably George Naz Monte and like those guys just because like I was with them for so long. So there's just a different level of uh, friendship there. Um, 
you know, with Monte, I, I don't know if I've ever seen him on the golf course. So that's part of that is I want to see what he looks like swinging a club. Um, but Naz and George like think they're decent at golf, but they're, they're really pretty brutal, but they like, just cause they can like make contact and hit a good shot like once in a while, or they'll like randomly somehow get a par on a, on a hole. They think they're good. So it's always, um, I'll actually, I mean, it could happen this summer. I might try to get back for George's golf outing yeah. actually at the end of, I think it's the end of July. Um, I always have scheduling conflicts with, you know, the last few years. Um, but I'm hoping to get back for that. So maybe, maybe this could happen. Man. I love it. Uh, all right. Yeah. Kind of a, a similar question. Um, it, you can include yourself in, in your starting five, but who are in that starting five? Who are the four other teammates you want to play? If it's a, a game to, I don't know, you ought to win one game to save your own lives. Like who are the other four teammates from Iowa state that you're picking? And I, I had to play with them. Yeah. You got to play with them. Yeah. Okay. Um, Honestly, I'll probably just, those three right there, and then and then Melvin Edgem. I'd say I'd say myself, Monte, Naz, George, Melvin, is the that's the five I'll go with. I think you could win a few games with that five. Yeah, so I think you're. I would hope so. <laughs> I would hope so. It's a lot of talent, but honestly, like I mean, I I've said it a lot, but like we just we were so, we all wanted to win and competitors, and I haven't. This is the first time I brought up Melvin, but like Melvin was a senior my freshman year, and like ultimate captain, ultimate leader, like ultimate winner, like, you know, can't say enough good things about him. And I'm glad I was able to like have a year with him. He's an unbelievable guy and great player. Completely agree. He was my favorite teammate from Iowa State. Yeah. Even as a young guy, felt the same way about him. Just yeah, guy and great competitor, great personality on and off the floor. Um, who, whether it was at Iowa State, was a scene with like upperclassmen or like in the pros in the NBA, like, who are a couple of guys that have had a big impact as far as taking you under their wing and kind of, you know, showing you how to be a pro or how to improve your game? Like who are some guys that the, a lot of us probably haven't even thought of that have kind of taken you under your yeah. wing? What have they showed you? Um, it's a good question. Uh, so I'll start, I mean, I'll speak briefly, but uh, about this guy, cause nobody's going to know about him, but his name's Aaron Dorn camp. He's a Canadian. I played with him in Valencia, my second year in Spain. And, um, he's probably five, six years older than me, but just like super, super diligent about how he takes care of his body. And I've all, and just what he's putting into his body in terms of like eating, drinking, like his recovery, how he's, you know, pre post-practice, like, and I was always like really into all that stuff too. But then when I met him and like, we got to like, you know, build a friendship and I got to like, you know, learn some things from him. I think like my habits kind of just even took, got taken to another level. And, um, I'm really grateful that I crossed paths with him. Cause I think he's obviously, you know, we stay in touch, a great friend and, you know, has helped me in my career and become a better player in person. Uh, another guy that you probably will know about is Kyle Lowry in Toronto. Um, probably a little bit more familiar with that name, but no, so my rookie year, my first year in Toronto, um, they were coming off the championship and Kyle, um, for whatever reason, kind of just took me under his wing. Part of it is because we probably, we golf together. Kyle's a big golfer. So we, we golf here and there on the road. Um, he also, I don't think has ever beat me, but he's, he's pretty good. He he's only <laughs> been playing for a few, he's only been playing for a few years. Uh, he's close though. Um, but no, so, I mean, we went to like, he would have his, 
his strength coach in town, or we'd go to, you know, private Pilates classes. He got me into Pilates. Um, just like, I think he understood how serious I was about basketball. And, and then my work ethic really resonated with him. And, you know, we share that, like he's, he's a worker, you know, he's in the gym getting his shots up and his on court work before practice, before anyone's in there. Um, and he's taking care of his body to another level. And that's one thing I understood once I got to NBA too, like these guys that are like, seven, eight, nine, 10 time all-stars or like, it's not a coincidence. Like granted. Yeah. There some of them are super talented and have some God given abilities, but like a guy like Kyle's maybe six foot, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's no accident that he is the player he is. And, you know, he's had so much success and I'm just grateful for my you know relationship with him. And I'm, I'm glad that I was able to, you know, have that year and a half, two years in Toronto. And um, I learned a ton from him as well. What, when you look back at your time at Iowa state, what are some of the games that stick out to you the most? Uh, which, which ones are some of your favorites? Yeah. You played in? Uh, okay. Well, okay. So all positive memories then, because <laughs> there are some that are, you say got games that stand out. Part of yeah. me is the, the UAB one is the easy answer, but that's a negative memory. My sophomore year right. getting bounced in the tournament. That's, that's a game I wish, you know, we could have back. Um, but on the other side, flip side, some positive ones, uh, for me, uh, my junior year playing in Hilton Coliseum beating Iowa. I think we were down 20 or I think we were down 20 at half and Jared Utah had scored 30 points by halftime. And we came back and won that game. And that's a, that's a huge memory for me. And just on the personal side, I know we've touched on it. I kind of, you know, I had a lot of ups and downs my first two years and that was kind of like the springboard that game. It was like, you know, it was nine conference early in the season, whether it was our sixth or seventh game. And I had like 20 points or 19 points and, and played really well. And um, Naz had just decided he was going to have hip surgery. So he was going to be out, I think, right around that time. Um, so I was starting the rest of the season after that. And it just really like, like I said, it was a springboard for me and my career um, that night. Um, other ones, freshman year the games against Okie state where naz hit crazy shots to, to force overtime and to win our highlights um this is a, a a wild card that you wouldn't expect but uh my freshman year we had a win at byu oh, it was yeah. like our third or fourth game of the year it's my first like true road game i remember that, that place is like yeah. That was the one when Melvin flipped off the crowd, wasn't it? Yeah, Melvin yeah. Melvin yeah. fouled out, flipped off the crowd. DeAndre Kane like poked one of their guys in the eye, intentionally got ejected. <laughs> like it was it was insane, but it was my first road game in college, and uh, like BYU is an insane fan base. There's like twenty thousand in this arena. It's all like it's a whiteout. Like um, it was in, it was an insane atmosphere, and then you quickly realize that not every uh, road venue has that kind of support. So. Um, but it was a really fun game. And I was like, you know, obviously I was sometimes the road games are even more fun than the home games. Like obviously taking nothing away from Hill Coliseum because that place is incredible, but just as a competitor, being able to like hit shots or like go on a run and like all, and you don't hear anything and the crowd is just silent. Like there's like not really a better feeling. I, I love that feeling. So sometimes those road games are, are really fun. What was what the your, oh go ahead? What yeah. was the atmosphere at Texas Tech like when you guys played down there? It's like the it might be yeah. one of the best atmospheres in the league now. I don't. It was nothing back yeah. then. Yeah, I think no, it wasn't. I think maybe maybe my senior year was decent because they were 
I mean, to call it what it is, I mean, Texas Tech and TCU, those two specifically were basically like gimme wins. Like, I mean, I I should be careful saying that because we may have lost to one of them. But like my freshman, sophomore year, those teams were not very competitive. Um, And then obviously that's changed. Like both of them are are very competitive now. Um, But Tech, yeah, Tech wasn't anything crazy. Um, A lot of those schools, they're they're football schools. So um, even like Baylor and like when Oklahoma was really good with Buddy Heald and all those guys when I was there, like the fan base wasn't what you would think it would be. Mm-hmm. It, it, they just, it's not the same. And that's why I, I don't take, you know, Hilton Coliseum for granted and like no players should, cause it's up there. That's one of the top places to play in the country in terms of like just atmospheres and venues. Where, where was your favorite road? What was your favorite road win of your career or favorite place to go in and kind of quiet the crowd? Uh, a good question. I mean, we lost, uh, obviously playing at Iowa was fun. You know, we won there my sophomore year, but then ended up losing my senior year. I was trying to get the clean sweep, but settled for three and one versus Iowa in my four years. The BYU one, like I said, is up there. Kansas, um, winning at Allen Fieldhouse my senior year was a highlight. Um, we, we always played really well at Oklahoma state for some reason. I really liked playing there. Kansas state was another fun one for me. Uh, Honestly, the Texas schools I wouldn't put in there. Um, K-State's a cool venue, though. They get really good, really good support. I like Was it there. Frank Martin there when you played? I think no. I want. I feel like Bruce Weber was there all four. I think. Yeah, I don't think Frank was there. I think he had moved on already. He was always – I like yeah. playing at Kansas State, too, and listening. Yeah. Like, he, I always loved him because he. you could tell his players loved him and respected him, but he would just, like – unload on guys in the middle of the game like just like stop and be like you realize they're calling plays specifically to go at you and you can't stop (laughs) them like you know and like you're sitting there trying to not like laugh and smile but it was so funny yeah yeah probably similar to like bob huggins a little bit yeah yeah Yeah. i think i think frank's off the the bob huggins tree so i think there's a lot of similarities there yeah for sure (laughs) makes sense Uh, what what was your holy shit i'm in the nba moment what was the one that where it really hit you? It's like, oh my god, like I'm at uh, NBA right now. I don't have like a great moment or story. I guess I will share. I will share this. It was uh, so obviously first year in Toronto, and we went on a West Coast trip pretty early in the season. It was, it was within the first ten games. We were playing. Uh, we were playing at New Orleans, and uh, you know JJ Redick is a guy that I've watched a ton of film on and learned a ton from growing up and all of a sudden we kind of check in the game together. I was playing it. I was in the rotation at that point. We kind of checked in the game together in the first quarter and we're guarding each other. And it's just kind of like, it was surreal. Cause like I said, like, I'm like, dude, I've tried to like kind of emulate my game a bit after this guy. And he's had, you know, at that point he was probably in his 14th, 15th season, tons of success. And so sure enough, like I'm in the corner, we had a set where I basically just kind of came off like a wide pin down. And I come flying off. He kind of tried to top block it and I like threw him off and I got, got over the screen and hit a really tough shot. Like got it off super quick, highly contested, knocked it in. And then that's like, Oh, like, damn. Like I just, I just did like, that's what JJ does to other guys. And I was able to do that on JJ, but then sure enough, a few possessions later, it's like the end of the, I don't know if the end of the quarter or end of the uh, shot clock. And he had the ball and I'm like, okay, he's going to try to get, get a shot off. I got to just stay down and, 
sure enough, he like creates a little space and shot fakes and I, I go for it and follow him on a three point shot. And it was just kind of like the, nothing was said, but, um, it was like, yeah, m- a- a rookie, like you made a shot on me, but Hey, like, you, you know, you got a ways to go type thing. Like, yeah. uh, and then funny enough, a couple years, it was like, I don't know if it was that summer or two years later, we actually got connected and I was able to work out with him for a week in New York, which was really cool for me just to like get to know him more as a person and, and just to get to see, you know, his, some of the stuff he does training wise and, um, you know, take as much as I could from him, obviously, like I was saying, you know, he's had, he had such a successful career, um, you know, kind of playing the same way that I'm trying to play. So did he tell you about his Ames connections? I think he used to go to Iowa state's basketball camp. Uh, oh, wow. When, no, like, Tim I, Floyd I no was here. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's a, like, hey, there's more people than not have Ames connections. A lot yeah. of people do. What, yeah. What's the other one that was recent? Uh, Joe Burrow was like born there or something. Yep. Yep. His dad yeah. was uh, on Dan McCartney's staff. Yeah, I think. Gotcha. So. Yeah. No, he never brought that up. Jay didn't yeah. bring that up. Well, if you ever talk to him, if he ever invites you on his podcast, then you can bring up you guys yeah. got your Ames connection. So, yeah. For no sure. kidding. No kidding. Uh, man, we've uh, we've taken up enough of your time. Scott, do you have anything else that you want to throw out? Or are you good? No, man. I just thank you so much for coming on. I mean, you're phenomenal with your answers and obviously, uh, you know, keep doing what you're doing and best of luck, you know, moving forward. I hope, you know, you continue to get those opportunities and you're able to, you know, just continue to capitalize on them like you have been your whole career. So thank you so much. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys saying that. And Scott, it was good catching up with you and seeing you back in Wisconsin this past week and and getting on the golf course and, um, Jared, good talking to you too, as well. Um, excited like i said i'm excited to continue to see the the tj otzelberger era of, of the cyclones continue um and i'll be i'll definitely be following and, and supporting so excited to get there this summer too i'm planning on getting there this summer um so it'll be fun